When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. COVID cases in many European countries are suddenly substantially up. So much so, in fact, that some, like the Netherlands and Austria, are back in what they say will be short-term lockdowns, while others like France have imposed a range of restrictions to stem the flow of cases and protect their healthcare services. And in a dramatic role reversal, the UK has gone from the standout COVID-19 bad boy of Europe to one of the better performers in terms of daily cases and hospitalisations. Many have been speculating as to why and whether we're either ahead of the COVID curve or behind it. According to the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine's Lloyd Chapman, who's been modelling the pattern of the outbreaks in Europe, vaccination is the linchpin. And that is where the UK, of course, stands out. There's been very sharp increases in infection rates in Europe and places where people didn't expect there to be large winter waves of COVID because of the amount of vaccination that's already happened. But the thing that we've found in our analysis is that actually, even in places where vaccination coverage is reasonably high, there's still quite a large number of people who are either unvaccinated or haven't been exposed to the virus. And so there's still quite a high potential remaining burden of hospitalisations and deaths. And you think that's what's fueling this uptick that they've got? It's the fact that whilst you've got pretty high uptake of vaccines, there are pockets of people which are sufficient to drive fairly substantial outbreaks. Yeah, exactly. There's definitely a question about why it's happening now, as in why now and not two weeks ago. But then I think there are plausible explanations. Cold weather, people spending more time indoors, gradual relaxation of restrictions and so higher levels of contact between people that allow the virus to spread more easily. Some people have also pointed to the fact that In January in the UK, when we began to vaccinate our population, quite quickly the government decided to widen the interval between the first and the second dose of vaccine. Many European countries did not do that, and some are saying that could be affecting the performance of the vaccines now. Do you think that could be a factor? Yes, and it probably makes the biggest difference in terms of the level of protection that people were afforded the The longer delay between the first and second dose in the UK offers a higher level of protection against infection and severe outcomes. So the UK has a benefit both in terms of getting as much of the population vaccinated as possible, but also in higher levels of protection. But I think the key determinant is really the levels of vaccine coverage in different age groups. And one of the things that we found in our analysis is that England is doing better off than many other European countries because it's managed to achieve high levels of vaccination coverage in the eldest age groups who are at highest risk of hospitalisation and death. And so that means that while we've got cases, we haven't got consequences. People becoming sufficiently unwell, they have to go off to hospital because we've got such high vaccine penetration into those age groups. Yeah, the UK has done well in terms of vaccinating its older population and is now 
in some ways slightly ahead of other European countries because we're offering boosters to people earlier than other countries. The flip side of that is that there's been very high levels of infection in England in comparison to other European countries in the last few months. So we're in a better position now in terms of the level of immunity in the population, but there's been a huge cost of that really in terms of severe outcomes. What does the road ahead look like, more importantly? It's a good question. I think it's possible that there will be an increase in infection levels in the UK in the short term, driven by factors that are also having an influence in mainland Europe. My hope would be that we may be getting to a point in terms of population level of immunity that we don't see a really big wave of infections. But I think a lot of that is going to be determined by behaviour in terms of whether people continue to be cautious and socially distance wherever possible, not congregate amongst large numbers of people. The responsibility for avoiding a bad situation does rest with how people choose to behave. Can your analysis capture the performance of the vaccine? And the reason for asking this question is there have been some headlines this week where Pascal Sorio from AstraZeneca is saying, well, actually part of the better performance in the UK could be attributed to the use of AstraZeneca's vaccine in the UK because it has a different dynamic. It it affects the immune system in a slightly different way. And many European countries, because of some negative sentiment expressed by certain leaders early on in the vaccination campaign, eschewed the use of that vaccine. We do account for different vaccines that have been used in different countries and also differences in the levels of protection they offer. AstraZeneca's vaccine has been assessed as performing similarly to the mRNA vaccines in the longer term, but perhaps a little worse initially. I don't think that it's necessarily been demonstrated that the AstraZeneca vaccines have offer better long-term protection than the mRNA vaccines. But what we found is that it's really actually the overall level of vaccine coverage in the population and how that's split by age. So whether you've achieved high vaccination coverage in your eldest and most at-risk age groups, that makes the biggest difference in terms of potential burden to come. Interesting, isn't it? Lloyd Chapman there.